cancer <laughs> so it's gonna just be a situation that you hear about welcome back thanks for listening um go to go to tromedy.com tromedypodcast.com rather and click on the amazon banner and buy whatever you want through that and then i get a little kickback i've yet to get anything because i think amazon's doing a little bit of a dick move or something and trying to swindle if you don't make a certain amount in a certain month they just take it all to them so if you're out there and you want to buy some big stuff like plasma tvs or a new living room uh, through Amazon. Go through the Tromedy Podcast first and then do it. And then then, then I'm going to have a gripe with them. They're going to take it up, <clears throat> give it to my lawyers to talk to their lawyers and so forth. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to become litigious, ladies and gentlemen. That's, uh, that's what I've been uh, into uh, recently just because of all this stuff that's been going on post-cancer treatment phase one. So still haven't gotten any um, any any disability time for the eight months that I had to rehab from cancer and still don't have any sick time or vacation because it was burned through and I'm only existing by the grace of God and my fellow firefighters that donated some time to me which allowed me to have more time off to recuperate so again all of you badasses out there who aside from being heroes on the job decide to help out one of their brethren I sincerely from the bottom of my heart Thank you again for doing that. You guys kick ass. You girls rock and roll. And I really do appreciate it. Uh, back on the line. And holy crap, is it crazy to see everyone again. <sighs> Excuse me. Excuse me. I won't do that again in front of the camera. It's disgusting. Uh, I have to keep cleaning my nose out. Hey, let's get into disgusting. Uh, I got to flush my schnoz every day. And you would not believe the surprising jewels that I'm mining as I blast sailing through the passages. Um, jade. Yeah, I wish it were semi-precious stones because I'd be a millionaire if I had... What am I going to say? I don't even know. I was going to say if I had a hammer, I'd hammer up my nostrils. I'd hammer on my sinuses. And I'd get out some jewels, but um, and I'd be a rich man. Then then we go into fiddler on the roof on that. But we're gonna stay away from that and stay semi, uh, somewhat uh, a continuum of thought. I'm gonna stay on the train. I'm not going to derail. Um, so yeah, I'm driving in to see my doctor. Why? Because I'm dealing with this litigious crap, trying to get all of my money and all of my time back. And uh, they keep sending me to these agreed upon medical evaluators. And the issue is uh, they don't necessarily want to be on your side. They want to find ways to show that uh, you may not have gotten it from the job. And, and they'll, the craziest thing is I went to this, I'm not going to get too much into it, but man, the, the last person I went to threw me for a loop. Basically was saying, eh, this comes back a lot. So, I mean, the last guy I saw with this, I uh, had a bulging out of his eye. Yeah, you're going to have to worry about that for the rest of your life. Uh, I don't believe in all this, like, hey, we're going to eradicate cancer from the face of the earth. That's no way. And, uh, and then through the course of it, he goes, yeah, I don't know. There's, if there's a God, I'm convinced the devil is stronger than him. So, uh, so, good luck. so, so I, I was in, you know, I, I had to sit through this 
for an hour and a half as I got examined, as I recounted my story. And I, I honestly don't think that the examiner meant ill. I feel like there's just this absence of bedside manner that exists in certain people, especially those that are more academic oriented, and was telling me the facts either to impress me that he knew these things or because he wanted to shoot me as straight as he could from everything he knew about cancers. And, and I walked out of there thinking, that's that's not I, I understand where he's coming from, but there's there's no room for that, especially after the first uh, op operation and treatment. You, you know, we we can all deduce that later on. We can all kind of come to those conclusions. Uh, and there's statistics. And I, I said to him, you know, uh, well, there's truth, there's lying, and there's statistics. They go, yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah, you can make him say whatever you want. I said, yeah. So I'm not gonna choose to be a statistic here. Uh, I've always been slightly ahead of the bell curve, and I plan on staying that way. <laughs> okay, I'm a bit of a hero. I say some live and shit. You know what I mean? I haven't missed an IV in a long time. Now, I haven't started that many since uh, uh, you guys out there at Rural Metro uh, show up there just as I'm finishing my BLS so that you start your alls uh, about the time that I finish my blues. But I got an IV as soon as I was back. I got an IV on a nice, nice young uh, lady for some reason. I can't remember what the hell it was. But first attempt back, I'm batting a thou. And, uh, and uh, anyway, so, uh, so I'm, I'm doing well. What I'm thinking about is also, and, and I do pretty well doing intubations. All these things that medics are supposed to be able to do, I can do. So uh, way to go. You're just great at it, Kenneth. Thank you. I know. I do what I'm supposed to do at work. So shut up, dude. Just do it. Keep your head down and keep moving forward. Shoulder to the grindstone, nose to the furnace, and burn the fucking tumor out. So it's gone. However, when I had looked in there the other day by this AME, he said, uh, looks like uh, there's some polypoid changes in there. And I said, uh, polypoid? Oh, well, it could be like creation of polyps. Okay, is there some, should I be concerned with that? And he didn't say anything. I said, so I'll take that as a yes. And he kind of laughed. He said, well, uh, I wouldn't not be concerned, but uh, oh, you should go get it checked out. So here I am driving to my doctor now on a Friday to go see if what they're seeing is actually polyps or if it's um, turbinates, which are those little swirly curly Q concha type situations inside everyone's nose that when you inhale causes the wind, it causes the inhaled air to kind of spin like it's in a centrifuge and blast all the micro particulate like dust and pollen onto the sinus membrane and then warm the air and you inhale warm humidified clean air. So my turbinates are all fucked up. Sorry for the, the use of the word, but uh, they're jacked out of control because they tore out the middle of my nose. I, there's, I have no septum. So that little middle piece, if you look at a skull, that's gone from my head, apparently. Unbeknownst to me, <laughs> it's pretty interesting when the doctor went, oh, but you know, you don't have a septum. And I went, what do you mean? And I stuck my pinky back. I was like, oh, that's the other side of my, oh, that's the left side. Okay, all right, so no middle thing. So if you looked at my skull, I'd just be like a hole. Um, anyway, because of the surgery, the landmarks, all the normal stuff you would doctors would be able to tell what's you know what's what inside the, the sinuses 
are they're, they're not there because they had to shift things around and, and move uh, you know cut a piece here and patch it over there and so she believes they're turbinates we'll find out today um, now I'm getting scared thanks okay so I'm just thinking about it what what that would mean um, and anyway what will probably happen is if this is something new I'm gonna get a biopsy today and um, and that's that'll be that and we'll just figure it out by the way it's been a year since I had my first biopsy when all this happened so so I've made a year so fuck you cancer I made a year um, I'm already ahead of the game I got hit by a car when I was a senior in high school it was 20 years ago and uh, I jumped out of the way just in time I my book bag hit the car uh, fractured my lower lumbar but I lived so fuck you death uh, so I'm two and one, so I'm ahead of the curve. I'm two and zero, basically, two and one. So even if I went out soon, I'm still ahead. I'm still, I got winning, I got a winning record. And anyway, so we'll see. So we'll see. I, this is all what you got to deal with. Uh, when you have cancer, you just have to sit and talk about it. And uh, go through it, feel it, be present with it. Understand that you're just going to be angry, pissed off. You're going to be scared. You're going to be relieved. You're going to be all those things. And you just face it head on. Um, so, so here's here's what I wanted to, to pass along to you. Um, it doesn't matter. This, that's not what I wanted to pass along to you. Positive thinking really does help. I don't care if this guy believes that the devil is stronger than God or whatever. You know, uh, we could always look at the world and see how bad it is and people uh, taking advantage of other people and people are there's some downright evil out there there are some people that really do need to or get supreme pleasure from causing harm pain death evil you know cruelness on others and those fucking people got to go that's why we have the death penalty that's why I don't I don't mind somebody getting shot down the street like a dog you know, like in True Romance, Val Kilmer tells Christian uh, Slater to, to kill Drexel. Have you seen that movie? Please, if you've not seen True Romance, go watch that movie. It's the movie that made me go to film school. And uh, written by Tarantino, directed by Tony Scott. So if you like Top Gun, go check that out. If you like Pulp Fiction, go check that out. All right, go check out True Romance. Anyway, Christian Slater says to him, you want to, you haunted? Are you haunted? You won't get unhaunted. Go find Drexel. Shoot him down. Put two bullets in his head. Shoot him down like a dog. I can't believe you're telling me to do this. Fuck don't deserve to live. So I still walk around with that belief. There are some people fuck don't deserve to live. Now, that's a very few and far between group of people. They're the ones that you... Ted Bundy's of the world. Thank you very much. Most evil, I think, occurs... I'm just letting this all digest. Take it in. Understand what I'm saying. There are very few, very, very few truly evil people in the world. And for them, uh, excise them as the tumor they are from humanity. Cut them out and then let that be a lesson to the rest of the people in humanity. We don't put up with that shit. And if you can control it, you better get in control of it. If you can't, shank, shank, trip, cut you right off. We're just gonna take a nice little little cleave slice, take you right off. 
the heart of man, humanity, the heart of mankind. The rest of the evil that happens is usually because um, somebody is either apathetic or um, they're, they're opportunistic. They see something and they go, well, I'm going to take this before that person takes it. And so therefore they get a little bit of good and then they, they cause a little bit of harm on somebody else. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you see this price gouging going on because of Hurricane Harvey and Irma where they're jacking up water prices to 60 bucks, 70 bucks a, a, a plate, a pallet rather. You know, well, well the opportunity's there. Everybody needs water. <laughs> Why don't we just charge a little bit, make a little extra in the, in the back door? You know, that kind of shit, that kind of opportunistic, small thinking, um, selfishness is what I see is a little bit of evil, a little bit of like smack him. And you know, he get, get a little pat on the back of the head. You know what I mean? How dare you? How dare you take advantage of somebody's tragedy? How dare you? You know, you get you get a SWAT. That that'd be something you need a social spanking. You don't need your life destroyed, but you deserve to sit in the corner with a dunce cap on after you've been smacked. And and, and I really wish we could get back to that kind of stuff. Uh, we're good with social shaming now, but it's 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 just a little bit unregulated. I think we need to get back into the physicality a little bit. <laughs> okay, and then the other part is apathy. The other part is apathy. Well, I know that person needs help, but I just don't have the time or the energy. or I got to focus on my life. I got to focus on my life. And that's where we get the people that see somebody on the street that's sleeping, and they go, well, I, I don't have time to help or check it check out what's going on with them but um i'll just i'll just call 911 i'll just call 911 and they'll take care of it and i've done a good job and and you show up and these people are just sleeping and they go i just leave me alone please i'm doing fine i just want to sleep on the street i understand thanks for reminding me that i'm homeless and get the fuck out of here mr firefighter mr paramedic thanks for reminding me how shitty my life is uh, but it's that apathy, the people that just kind of see it, you know, you see a homeless guy, you don't want to give him money. Or you, you make up an excuse, uh, you know, oh, he's just going to use it for alcohol. He's just going to, whatever, he's just sleeping there because he's too lazy. Which is, I mean, of course, it takes all shapes and sizes of humans to be, to be homeless. A lot of times it's drugs and alcohol. And most of the time it's alcohol, by the way. I, I, look, let's be honest. Alcohol, worst drug on man on earth to man. Alcohol, folk, shout, worst drug. Causes the most accidents, causes the most fights, causes the most overdoses, causes the most destruction of human life and um, human success. Um, a very distant second would probably be heroin and speed. Um, and, and so those are the people that you see out there. But when you really run into someone who's schizophrenic and who's mentally not capable of treating themselves, it's heartbreaking. And we've created this society where uh, we're afraid of these people, where they, we, we've kind of ostracized this group of people because we're living in larger, larger communities. We're living in big cities and they're just, you, you don't get a personal relationship with them. And so because of that, they're alien to you, they're foreign, and they're intimidating, they're scary. And so rather than make an effort to see if they're all right and take care and give them a dollar or whatever, 
uh, or, or, or to truly give them, you know, talk to them and see how they're doing and see if you can give them a job or see whatever. And of course, they're all, this is all, this is all on a sliding scale of efficacy. But um, what we're basically taught is stay away from them, they're dangerous. I don't know them, and so I'm going to be afraid of them. And so that's why we also get called into the 911 system to go check on these people. And most of the time, almost all of the time, uh, they're fine. They're not, they're not dangerous. They're only dangerous when they're afraid. They're only dangerous when they're in a manic state. And, and, and you could, that same could be said for everyone. So um, what's interesting is we, as responders, start to create relationships with these people um, because we see them so often that we form a relationship with them. We know when they went to the hospital last because we took them in and we know why we took them in before. And we know their medical conditions and we can tell if they're staying on their meds or if they're not staying on their meds and if they're self-medicating with alcohol and drugs. So by, you know, uh, by default, we become their friends. We become part of their social network. We uh, see them, quite frankly, more than, than we see our friends. I, I, I run into the homeless guys much more often than I see, uh, like my friend Brendan O'Connor, or, because um, I haven't seen him, because we're both busy working. We're both, he's in the city, I'm in San, I'm in San Jose. So we don't, we, we don't get to hang out. I don't see him as much as I friend. see, you know, Devin or, you know, guys that have been on pod, Sundance, guys that have been on the podcast with me because we're all busy working, but we're busy and we're walk, working with these people. So we form a relationship. Now you can say, you know, that, that all this happens because of apathy. We don't have enough energy or time to, to donate to these people. And therefore we see the atrocities of mankind being played out in the homeless, in the poor, in the starving, although starving, I, there's a rarely a person have I seen uh, starving in my first due. Uh, usually there's an obesity epidemic because cheap food is uh, more fattening than, uh, than healthy food. But uh, not many people are starving. Now, but what I'm saying is in the dregs of society, you can see these social societal ills. You can see the, you know, the atrocities and the, and, and the evil, if you will, of of mankind, of the machine, um, you know, the, the cogs of the machine um, or the wheels tramping, trampling the, the little man. And that's where this doctor maybe would say, you know, of course the devil is stronger than God. Um, but he doesn't see where the rubber meets the road, where that wheel is coming down. There's actually a group of paramedics and firefighters that are desperately pulling these homeless that are asleep on the road aside so the wheel doesn't run over them so that we can take them from that ground and take them to a place and give them another chance to sober up, reevaluate their lives, give them some pamphlets, some literature, and some, some direction to potentially change where their situation is, to give them an eye-opening opportunity to make a change for the better. And if there is a place where God exists and he is stronger or could potentially be stronger, it's in first responders 
life-saving people in the hospital, the ones that get there when the moment of life and death is occurring, when the moment of tragedy is at its utmost, and we bring a balm to the situation, we salve it. Uh, we make sure that we clean them up, bandage them, make sure that they're all right physically, perchance mentally, and point them in the direction where they can best heal from what they have going on. Now to me, there's no better profession in the world. Because I do feel like if there is something that, you know, if there's a whisper of, of goodness, we're listening and we're doing something with that whisper. Thank you very much, this is Kenneth Allen. I'm gonna be running for office in 2018. And um, you, I'll be for local 230. No, do uh, you know what I mean, people? Understand that you are out there doing a bit, and it's okay to pat yourself on the back. You're doing a little bit of God's work. You're doing a little bit. There's a responsibility there that you don't overreact. You don't get too crazy. You don't get pissed off at your patients because they're calling you and it's in bogus calls. Remember that their problem, their endemic issues are probably worse than yours if they're living on the streets and probably their mental capacity is going to be impaired either because of neurologic deficit, because of mental and psychiatric problems, and because of chemical, drug, and alcohol-related problems. So try and stay zen and do what's best for them. And um, if you can stay even keel with that stuff, you can stay even keel with your own lives like what I'm going through right now. Uh, I, I, I do feel like I'm, I'm gonna be all right because I gave so much and I, uh, to my patients. I, I, I try every time to be calm and respectful of them. Even if you're really going, you know, you're really thinking that the, the call is bogus. You still you don't get anything done by being a jackass to them, you know, and you figure that out after a couple of years. There's just there's no reason. There's you don't get anywhere by calling them out uh, because they go on the defensive, and or they don't understand. They can't hear you, so uh, it makes the call go worse. It makes things go longer. And really, if we're there for efficiency and effectiveness, just be there, open, open-minded, open-hearted. And, and point them in the right direction and just might be making a little good for the world to exist on. Hey, that's a pretty good little podcast. It was short and sweet, but um, I want you to remember that. Just try and see if you can do that, you know? I'll, I'll be there, I'll be in the whisper in the back of your head when you start to lose it. Remember what old Uncle Kenny Boy said. Uncle K-Bone said, slow it down, man. Take her easy. For all the sinners out there. And, um, and then just try to remember this. When you're focusing in and the stress is hitting you, right? Got to start that spider vein IV. Picture that before you go on that call. Get in your head. Get in your zone. Get focused. Get ready for that. And just imagine, vision. Envision you hitting that IV. But douche. A little flashback inside the ch chamber, in the, in the flash chamber. And slam dancing, you got an IV. Imagine seeing the arytenoid cartilage as you lift up the jaw and you look right down the throat. And right there, you can see 
the trachea, you go with an, a size 7.5, maybe even an 8, and it slides right down the throat. Boom. Nail it right in there. Pass the larynx, in the larynx, and you've intubated. You nail it. You guys are doing the Lord's work out there. Think like that. You're a diamond. Picture yourself as a diamond. Act like a diamond. Diamonds don't get pissed off. Diamonds don't, you know, they thrive on pressure. They get more beautiful. That's what you say to yourself. Oh, more pressure? More pressure? Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, Helen. Ain't no thing. Beautiful. So use it. Use it to your advantage, okay? We're going to face all this stuff in the future. You're going to face all this stuff, including death, including all this crazy stuff. It'll be your emergency next, maybe sometime. It's okay. Face it head on and just think of yourself as a diamond. You're a hero. You're a diamond. If you got it, use it. I'll talk to you all next time. Ooh, ooh, you know what's coming up, though? Whoo, doggies. The Halloween Spectacular. So, oh, I've been, I've been running some ideas through my head today about it, and I can't wait. It's so much fun to do that podcast. And uh, if you haven't heard any of them, go back and listen to them. They're just fun. It's when I actually get to screw around and think about, like, what an evil paramedic would do, and, and I get to flex my writer's gene. You know, I did, I did poems. I did horrific, uh, what do you call them? We call that period in Victorian England where they did like the uh, gothic, gothic poems. So I did like some gothic poems and stuff. And what else did I do? I did like fake PCRs and some stuff with ADR and everything. So anyway, it's just fun. It's fun. And I'm going to do some interesting things this, this year, I think. Um, I still don't know exactly what I'm going to do yet, but it'll be fun. So stay tuned for that. There'll be a couple more podcasts in between. However, Diamond. Be a diamond, okay? Always keep a diamond in your mind, Tom Waits. Please do. All right, love you. Thanks for listening. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends. Fucking, you guys rock. It's great being back on the line and seeing you all. Thanks for uh, coming by and saying hey, and uh, pass along. Pass along the goodness. Love you, take it easy.